If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Good evening and welcome to Newsnight. In the next 60 minutes, countdown to shutdown as ECG and government work around the clock to settle debt. Old independent power producers who have threatened to shut down in 11 days and plunge the nation into total darkness. With legacy debt in the energy sector reaching about 2 billion as at the end of May 2023 and an estimated shortfall of 5.9 billion US dollars between 2023 and 2025 due to the current conditions of SOEs. We have details as our sources within the IPPs point to some World Bank efforts to resolve the impasse. Also, Attorney General rejects offer by private company to refund 2 million euros for the prosecution of minority leader Dr. Atuforsen and two others to be terminated. We have details. And as political campaigning in the Asin North hit a crescendo, only a week ahead of the by-election, John Mahama intensifies campaign for the NDC candidate, declaring he will never end up in jail. We have details as the two leading parties, the NDC and MPP, scramble for responsibility over the funeral of a constituent who lost her life during campaigning over the weekend. It's time to deal with these drainage in our towns, which leads to flooding. But you talk a crab two, three hours, but not just say, After the flood has receded, the damp environment can also promote allergic reaction. Also tonight, unfulfilled promises and residents in flood-prone areas panic at the site of the rains. We'll find out the impact on their health at the rains set in in our feature series titled Flats of Trauma. And in business, banks insist they have instituted the required measures to reduce fraud in the sector. And in sports, police and Tamale finally arrest head coach who went to hiding after brutalizing female referee in a deficient two women's game in San Diego. Who is more your type, Lydia Forsen or Yvonne Nelson? I don't, I don't know Lydia personally. Mm-hmm. I've had an encounter with Yvonne. Okay. So really and truly, you picked Yvonne. And later in this bulletin, Yvonne Nelson stares controversy in new book revealing a popular Ghanaian musician impregnated her and left her to her fate, forcing her to terminate the pregnancy. The first thing that hit me when he said no to keeping the pregnancy was my own life. I had grown up without a father in my life. I had often been reminded of how I had been born by mistake. We have details from her book, which also revealed that she was approached to contest the Ayawasu West Wogun seat against longtime friend John Dumelo. She told me about this thing long ago that somebody approached her to contest against me. I respected her for that. I respected her for, number one, telling me. I respected her for not taking that decision. 
That's and more in tonight's edition of Newsnight. Please join us with your thoughts and comments. It's via WhatsApp 055-11-11997. I am MFA Apau. And my name is Evan Spencer. We start tonight with government's race against time to avert a shutdown of our power plants because government, as of tonight, is working round the clock to urgently settle debt it owes the independent power producers or at least come to some agreement on the matter. The IPPs who are owed in excess of $1.6 billion are threatened to shut down their plants by the end of this month uh, if government fails to settle these arrears. Now, should the IPPs carry out their threat to shut down, it could result in significant power shortfall uh, which could plunge a nation into darkness. Tonight, Joe News understands there are several meetings scheduled between government and the ECG on one hand and the IPPs on the other to come to some amicable resolution. We'll go on the phone lines and get some answers and perspectives on this pretty shortly. Uh, but we've been working uh, our sources to get some clarity on this. MFA Power, what, what have we learned so far? So we know that the total energy sector debt is currently around $2 billion and more than half of that is owed to the independent power producers. You remember a few weeks ago, Evans, the IPPs threatened to shut down power if government fails to clear the entire debt by the end of this month. Government then initiated a negotiation process led by the ECG. We've been hearing from Dubik Mahama on this. Now, in that negotiation, government offered to pay $15 million to the IPPs every month to defray the debt over time. But the IPPs rejected the offer, insisting that government pays up $50 million to them. So that's where the negotiation had um, is currently, and that's where we know that we've reached. And now in the finance minister's update yesterday, he indicated that some funds uh, will be coming in from the World Bank, and it's expected that a chunk of that money will be used to pay the IPPs to avoid a possible power shutdown. Our checks with the IPPs also indicate that by the close of day tomorrow, we'll get to hear their position because the board of the IPPs will be meeting all ahead of the June 30 deadline. But uh, the indications we're getting was that if they do not get that money, it may they may shut down even before the June 30 deadline. Mm. And we're still working our sources. And maybe at the end of tomorrow, after that board meeting, we'll get to know what the position of the IPPs is exactly on this matter. About the I mean, I know you, you've been speaking to them. Are they hopeful a resolution will be reached? The it last doesn't time look we heard like... from the ECG boss, he was categorical that the shutdown wouldn't happen in the month. But when you spoke to them tonight? They give us indications that the deal that they've been given by government so far is not acceptable. At least their members are not accepting that. And it's likely that they may shut down before the June 30 deadline. But the outcome of tomorrow's meeting, between today and tomorrow, a lot can happen. So they're waiting after that meeting, then they'll give us an official position of the IPPs on this particular matter. Well, thankfully, the Finance Minister, Kenneth Friata, has been speaking about the challenges in the power sector and what government is doing to address them. With legacy debt in the energy sector reaching about $2 billion as at the end of May 2023 and an estimated shortfall of $5.9 billion U.S. billion between 2023 and 2025 due to the current conditions of SOEs and ICE in the value chain in the sector. The sector has been prioritized for comprehensive reforms. It is expected that structural reforms in the sector should reduce the shortfall by at least 2.95 billion over the period. These reforms, which are aimed at sustainably reducing losses in the energy sector, will be outlined in updated energy sector recovery plan ESRP, which will be approved by cabinet by end June 2023. It will be accompanied by, amongst others, 
the operationalization of a framework to guide the granting of energy sector subsidies by end June 2023, implementation of an inter-utility debt settlement framework on a quarterly basis starting from June 2023, and implementation of a mechanism to enforce the guidelines of the cash waterfall mechanism and natural gas clearinghouse uh, by end June 2023. Well, let's bring in a member of the Mines and Energy Committee of Parliament and also a former spokesperson for the Energy Ministry. Ms. Edward Bauer, thank you so much for joining us here on Newsnight. First, I- I'm curious, as a committee, are you privy to the details of this current negotiations ongoing between the IPPs, the ECG and government on the other hand? Um, thank you very much, Olifa. Uh, uh, let me state very clearly that um, as a committee, um, we one we have not been briefed on uh, the negotiations formally, even though as uh, key observers of the sector, and the fact that we should pretend over that, and our contacts within the within the sector has given us that. Uh, at least there has been some conversation between the IPPs and the World Bank and then to a very large extent there has not been serious conversations between the IPPs and government itself and so that is exactly what we know but of course we do know the situation itself as to the level of indebtedness of government to the IPPs which we, we, we understand that by the close of May this year, the indebtedness had increased from $1.5 billion to $1.73 billion. So that is exactly what we know. And we also do know that even though government is making suggestions as to the amount they can pay or the, the level of the debt they can defray, it appears that is not acceptable to the independent power producers. That is what we do know as a committee. Well, yeah. and as a result, the independent power producers are threatening <coughs> to shut down their plants or take us off the grid by June 30. And as it stands now, just our checks before we came on air, uh, it doesn't look like government is going to pay that $50 million that they are asking for. And it looks like they will go off or they will take us off before the June 30 deadline. You, I know you have sources within the IPPs. What exactly are they telling you? Look, Elisa, the, serious, the, the case is serious in that the IPPs alone uh, provide about 2,007 megawatts of dependent, uh, dependable power. So if, for example, they decide to go out of the system, VRA and we alone cannot sustain the, the system. So that's the first point. Two, uh, if you look at they, they are predicament. They have challenges because this bill of 1.73 billion is actually the invoices for power consumed. I don't know what I'm making sense. So this is power they have actually generated, and they need money to be able to generate. And you know that they will need to keep their machines. They will need to pay their workers. They need to. Uh, to a very large extent, you know, most of these spare parts, change spare parts and other things. So their operational cost will be hampered if they don't get this money. So if government also does not uh, make an effort to know that, look, the 
the alternative is very dangerous because assuming that we decide to go into power curtailment, the cost to the economy, an economy that is not struggling to even get up, the cost to the economy will even be far greater than, uh, what do you call it, the amount of money they will want to be paying as part payment. So in my very humble opinion, I would think that government should, should treat this as a priority. I understand that the World Bank says that they will impress upon government to look at the settlement of part of the debt mm-hmm. as a priority expenditure and therefore deal with it as such. But if government is undermined thinking that as usual they can, they can just brush off their threats, I think we'll be in for trouble. But in the face of all this, uh, Mr. Bauer, uh, we've had several assurances, including assurances from the ECGMD, for instance, then subsequently from President Kofado himself insisting that there will be no doom so an agreement will be reached with the IPPs. You don't have that much faith in the government? No, it's not a question of not having that uh, faith. But look, because ECG, which is the optical for all these IPPs, because ECG itself is unable to account for the money, that, uh, the power that they give them, government decided to put up what they call the waterfall mechanism, where ECG buys, uh, so after the sales of power, they put it down in a common pot, in an account, and then they disperse them to the various utilities, depending on a particular formula. That were very large, even though it was not taking care of the total bill, of uh, 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 that ECG's invoice, at least it it helped in dealing with this in a bit. MFA, as I speak to you now, the waterfall mechanism where uh, the money is realized from the sale of power is distributed to the various utilities. See, for the past two months, it has not been functional. So what it then means is that as to how, what that money is being used for, Nobody knows. That's the first point. The second point is that even the manner in which the waterfall uh, account is being managed, because I, I have given you power. You are supposed to sell and give me back my, my money. I should know how the common pot where all of us get, it should be a bit transparent for me to know that when ECG sold the power for the month of May, they realized 100 Ghana cities. And it is the 100 Ghana cities that we are apportioning to the various utilities. It is it's not going to cover the whole cost. But that, the running of even of that is also not transparent. And for the past two months, it has not been operational. So if you talk, for example, to the IPPs, they will tell you that, one, they do not even know the, the amount that is realized in that particular account. Two, they only sit down and they get an alert in the account that suggests that they are, they are receiving money from the waterfall mechanism, uh, what do you call it, uh, approach. But as to how much is there, nobody knows. But even with that, for the past two months, they have not disbursed any money from that account. Okay. Mr. Edward Bauer, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, this is an issue that we'll be monitoring. Edward Bauer is a member of the Mines and Energy Committee and a former spokesperson for the Energy Ministry. Well, as we indicated, the Electricity Company of Ghana, they are leading uh, the negotiations with the IPPs. The managing director, Samuel Dubik Mahama, has been very clear that they are working to avert this shutdown by the end of the month. We've had very, very productive discussions and they would not go off with all confidence. I would say ignore because we do owe them 
so I wouldn't say ignore, but what I'll say is that the conversations are far advanced to avert something like this. Mm-hmm. And so I can say with all confidence that it won't come to that. There are a few NDAs in place, but uh, let me give you a small hope. We are trying to find a way to make sure that the money expected of us to pay is reasonable and is within our reach. Because what IMF is saying that ring fence legacy debt, but you have to stay current. If the the, the capa- those excess and idle capacity charges are still existent, we cannot be current because we will still be punching above our, our, our weight limit. So we need to find a way with all of them at the table to agree on a, on an amount or a tariff that halts this uh, these uh, excess payments for a longer period of time, and then we can consider it in a different form for them. Fairness, everybody has a different way of how they set up the plant. Some of them self-financed, so they don't really have lenders that are disturbing them. Others have lenders that are disturbing them. As I said, everybody's problem is different. Well, the president himself just last week was also categorical that the government would keep the lights on. I want to reassure all of you that my government will continue to work towards keeping the lights on in spite of the global dynamics of energy pricing because the alternative is not an option. We are not going back to do so. We'll leave that to President Mahama. I'm convinced and confident that our nation is on the right path. Despite our challenges and with God on our side, I have the firm belief that we shall succeed in this enterprise. President Akufuado there, I want to hear from you, 055-11-11997. And tonight, the Attorney General has rejected an offer by private company Big C Trading LLC to refund 2 million euros for the prosecution of minority leader Dr. Atoforsing and two others to be terminated. Well, the three we know are standing trial for their roles in the purchase of ambulances for the state. The Attorney General contends the state has lost more than 2 million euros due to the purchase of ambulances which turned out to be defective. The AG has turned down this particular request. We'll find out why. And Legal Affairs Correspondent Joseph Akable joins us via Zoom uh, with more on this. Um, Joseph, let's talk about the reasons offered by the company for this move. And so the company makes the point that as far as it is concerned, the ongoing proceedings in court is denting its image and it's not good for its business interest. It also asks that it intends to restore or keep its current business relationship with the government of Ghana. It's important to state that the company itself is not in court. In fact, it is a local representative of the company, one Richard Jaffa, who is charged alongside Dr. Kassiel Atoforce in the minority leader and Seth Animana, a former chief director of the Ministry of Health. Well, help us understand the specific nature of the terms. And so it's an offer to refund 2 million euros to the state, uh, 500,000 euros to be paid upfront, with the remaining 1.5 million euros to be spread over a six-month period. Uh, we understand that the company says once this agreement is signed, the expectation is that one, the state will return the 30 vehicles which the company supplied, which have been declared to be defective, back to the company. Then the other part has to do with the fact that um, the AG would have to discontinue the case that is currently ongoing against all accused persons, i.e. Dr. Tofosin, Seth Animana, and also Richard Jaffa, the businessman. 
And why exactly is the AG then rejecting the offer? As far as the AG is concerned, because the company is not one of the accused persons, i.e. not a party in court, it is it cannot make such a request in the first place. But a clarification has come from lawyers for the third accused person, i.e. the businessman Richard Jaffa, who acted as local representative for the company. His lawyers are waiting to explain to the AG that Yes, they admit that the company is not a party to the case, but it's simply the company that made the offer to the businessman. And so the businessman has in turn adopted the offer and has now made the offer available to the court. And so that is why they are presented it to the court. And they've actually informed the lawyers for the other accused persons, asking them for their buying as well. It remains to be seen what the next move of the attorney general will be because this matter is back in court tomorrow. And Joseph, I'm just curious, are two forcing's lawyers, have they said anything about this arrangement that has been proposed? We have not heard officially from them as to where they stand on this particular matter, but we know that depending on how this goes, it could inure to their benefits. I.e., if it is acceptable to the AG and eventually acceptable to the courts, it means that all three individuals will walk away. And from what we understand, this arrangement is quite different from what we have seen in terms of the Atuatian trial, for instance, where once the court accepts it, it means that the a plea or a, a, a guilty verdict is entered. In this particular instance, the understanding is that the expectation is that if it's accepted, the case is discontinued by the attorney general. Uh, interesting times ahead indeed. Uh, but we're learning uh, tonight from a lawyer, a uh, legal practitioner, Bobby Ban, saying that the court will have the final say on whether such an agreement should be accepted. It is completely from a third party. Now, if we read the content of the letter as well, that third party is acknowledging that it is not even a party before the suit. So it is addressing the party, the letter to an agent, who the Sejata, I think, who is a party to the suit. Now, when the lawyers for Sejata wanted to bring that letter to the attention of the Attorney General, if we read the letter written by his lawyer, they didn't write it to own the offer. So they didn't write it as if they are the ones who are making the offer for settlement. They said they have received this letter from their principal and they are forwarding it to the attorney general for consideration. If they had owned the content of the letter and made it look as if they were the ones making the offer, I believe the attorney general may have been open to considering it for further discussions, as it were. But the way it was presented, it's as if this is what my principals are saying so that I will not be responsible for the content of the letter. That may have influenced the Attorney General's decision to reject it, as the provisions in the Plea Bargaining Act do not accommodate third parties who are not facing the trial to make any offers for settlement. The Plea Bargaining Act is very straight. It says that the settlement can be initiated by either the accused persons or the Attorney General's office. What role, really, will the court play in all this, then? Well, the Plea Bargaining Act says that the court may refuse any such agreement between the parties. Like we witnessed in the, um, the case involving the trial of the Collapse Bank, uh, Atuasian's case, when the first agreement was presented before the court, the court rejected it and asked the parties to go and bring a better agreement. And so the court actually has the jurisdiction to reject any plea bargaining agreement between the accused person and the attorney general.
And even in instances where there are complainants or victims different from the state, the victims may also reject any such agreement. And Bobby Bansing is a, a lawyer uh, helping us understand the arrangement and what might happen once the court decides to pronounce a verdict on whether to accept or reject it. So listening to News Night is on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, despite government's many promises of ensuring floods do not continue to wreak havoc in flood-prone areas, persons living in these areas still live in fear at the gathering of the rains because every drop in their vicinity results in flood affecting their property and health as either emotional trauma and torture they endure until the waters reside. Hanodami has been speaking to them in our feature series titled Floods of Trauma. It is time to deal with these poor drainage in our towns and cities, which leads to flooding during the rainy season. This sound of rain and its accompanying breeze sends many to sleep, snuggling safely and comfortably in a firm textured bed. For others, however, it is an announcement of despair. These days, when it rains just between two to three hours, then we get afraid. This has been Irama's fear for years. The gathering of the clouds does not bring she and her family any joy. It is very painful. When it begins to rain around 5 p.m., and continues till around 8 p.m., we get scared even to put our heads on our beds. And yet we are helpless. All we can do is to watch the rains drain into our rooms. An occupational hygienist, Dr. Roland Srebo, talks about the health hazards associated with the flats and dampness that Irama and others who are in similar situation are susceptible to. After the flood has receded, the damp environment can also promote allergic reaction that can uh, easily promote asthmatic attack. And let's not forget, malaria is also knocking on our dogs after flooding. But Tirama, who was born in this house, cannot move out. Her source of livelihood was mainly from renting these 14 separate room apartments to tenants. That is no longer an option, with no one accepting to rent a house which gets flooded every time it rains. Where is Look behind me. I have lots of empty rooms which I could have rented, so I would earn some income. But I cannot do so because the rainwaters come in and destroy all the property of tenants. Imagine how much I would have been earning from these empty rooms if I was renting them out. It is really depressing. Erama is concerned about the hazardous impacts of the flats on her children and grandchildren, the mental torture, the inconvenience, and the health implications. Just see these holes in the walls. We created them so that the rainwaters which enters our rooms can sip out through them. By the time I finish that work, I would be so tired. Sometimes, even after three days, we would still be collecting rainwater from our rooms. 
Acknowledging that not all of Irama's concerns will be immediately addressed, Dr. Srebo believes some of these measures put in place can at least mitigate the impact of the floods on their health. We need to leave our compound green because when we concrete our houses, our homes, it means that the water that's coming from our home is going to add up to others at the end of the day. That is what can result in a flood. From the Kwame Chroma Circle, I am Hannah Odami for Joy News. And floods of trauma as Mondays and Thursdays and throughout this rainy season. And you know, the point about flood waters, <laughs> they recede eventually. Exactly. And, and, when they do, and when they do recede, sometimes they leave trauma and they leave memories that people... Remember the June 3rd? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, can never get over my, that. My colleague, Elton Brobe, yeah. still yeah. has... Can't sleep without lights yes. off in the room and all still that because that. the memory is still there. Yes. Like that because he had to report... He was in there whilst yeah. the uh, fire combined with the water was uh, tearing homes and destroying lives indeed. Georgia Fe is here. And, and uh, a few of you have sent in your messages uh, for us to consider. And many of you have been talking about the power situation, the debt, but also, of course, uh, the issues with the floods. And this one from Kofi Protocol says, what has happened to Esla if energy sector debt is biting hard? Um, and he talks about the mess that has been created. And we have Evans, um, or some Banaman in the U.S. USA uh, calling you. He says, I believe the NPP party has good economic plans um, to the troubled economy of Ghana. Talking about what we discussed on on Top Story. Exactly. And then he says, um, listening to individual flag bearers, hopefully let the delegates elect the selfless individual to lead the party to the general election victory for 2024 and at long live Ghana. And uh, this one also says, I don't understand why power crisis doomsaw was linked to President Mahama alone. What about about President Kufo and then he has no name and um, this one also I think um, is also on top story and he says Dr. Baumier's aide said Veep hasn't gone on leave before so he will use his accumulated leave to do political campaigns but Mr. Domelevo uh, was hounded out of office because he failed to go on leave oh, Ghana, another uh, that, that's um, Charles in Ligon um, some of your messages uh, that you sent in we're grateful for them. So maybe we'll take a final one. It says this politicians, Aiden, they said the same thing about IMF and they took us there. So I'm sure it's reference to the doomsaw and the assurances that has been given that there will be no doomsaw. Well, still to come here on Newsnight. Who is more your type, Lydia Forsen or Yvonne Nelson? I don't, I don't know Lydia personally. Mm-hmm. I've had an encounter with Yvonne. Okay. So really and truly, you picked Yvonne. And Yvonne Nelson's test controversy in new book revealing a popular Ghanaian musician impregnated her and left her to her fate, forcing her to terminate the pregnancy. The first thing that hit me when he said no to keeping the pregnancy was my own life. I had grown up without a father in my life. I had often been reminded of how I had been born by mistake. We have details from her book, which also reveal that she was approached to contest the Ayawaso West Wogon seat against longtime friend John Dumelo. 
She told me about this thing long ago that somebody approached her to contest against me. I respected her for that. I respected her for, for number one, telling me. I respected her for not taking that decision. Well, that and more coming up and many of you are uh, texting us on this. I think the whole day has been a lot of talk on social media, especially on Twitter. Uh, We'll get into it. Mm. George, we are free. A spark in your eye. I love it. What's in business? The floodwaters recycling or coming up. This price instituted required measures to reduce fraud in the sector. And President Takufado makes a strong case for recapitalization of African development banks to aid the continent's economic recovery. The Business News or Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Alliance Life and Ghana Pay. Life wonderful when everything worth doing is scheduled, hitting the stop button on your alarm just in time for your morning joke. That happy moment listening to your baby's heartbeat at the doctor's office or an arranged virtual meeting with that big client. Buy airtime ahead of time with scheduled airtime service on MTN Momo. You can schedule your airtime purchase of any amount daily, weekly, or monthly by dialing star 170 hash option 3 and follow the process. Or simply dial star 170 star 311 hash for a superb airtime purchase experience. You enjoy 100% bonus airtime anytime you recharge yourself with MTN Momo. Keep on talking with that 100% feeling. So, what what are we doing today? MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Committee 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUST Campus, UC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764104 
two-story, four-bedroom detached houses at Obojo East Legon near American House. Our office complexes include Zion House, Shiashi East Legon, Zion House, Sofaline Interchange, Kumase. Our offices and apartments are for both rental and outright purchases at affordable prices and with flexible payment terms. Kindly contact us on 0257-960-919 or visit botproperties.com. BOT Properties, the new meaning of affordable luxury. Have you noticed that Ghana has suffered lack of attendance at stadia across the country in recent years? Well, the multimedia group wants to be part of the solution, which is why we're calling on you, our dear listener, to help us. Our sister station in Shira FM in Kumasi has been on a nationwide campaign to identify factors influencing poor patronage of Ghana Premier League matches. This campaign has been widely discussed on traditional and social media since the beginning of the year. And after widespread stakeholder engagement, we have a list of questions in a survey that will help us come out with a communique based on science and data. And we need you to assist by completing this survey. The link to the survey is bit.ly forward slash fillgpl questionnaire. Once again, bit.ly forward slash fillgpl questionnaire. Please help Insura FM and the multimedia group complete the survey in order to have a scientific response to this national problem. Wahala no get breaks so. Ah, what is it? Some customers have left. Their mobile money payment didn't come. What? Avoid such payment issues with BluePay. BluePay lets you easily receive payments on your mobile device with no e-levy charges. Simply enter your customer's number and the amount to be paid on your BluePay app. The customer will receive the BluePay prompt to confirm with their PIN instantly. Customers can also pay with bank cards using the BluePay POS device. Call or WhatsApp 054-7220-200 or visit bluepay.com.gh to register and get BluePay for your business today. BluePay. Never miss a sale. You welcome back to Business on the News Night. Now, commercial banks have given the firm assurance that they've taken the required measures to deal with fraud in the sector. It is coming after a new Bank of Ghana report showed that banks lost more than 50 million Ghana cities from fraud-related activities and over 20 million Ghana cities from mobile money transaction fraud. Chief Executive of the Ghana Association of Banks, Jono, says although a lot of work has been done, there's still room for improvement. We've done a lot to help bring down fraud incidents, fortunate incidents, and there are unfortunate incidents. Mm-hmm. The fortunate one is you see that the trend in some areas have improved. Okay. Unfortunately, in other areas like the cyber fraud, we've seen some significant growth in that area. Investment that the banks are putting into um, cyber crime, you have no idea. Even the central bank working through the, this new um, FISOC, uh, the Financial Industry Security Operations Center, now the fraud alerts are preempted. We are even getting alerts from the central bank saying, hey, watch this area. There's something potentially going to happen here. 
Chief Executive of the Ghana Association of Banks, uh, John Ewa. Now, President Akufado is making a strong case for the recapitalization of development banks in Africa to aid Ghana's economic transformation and other countries on the continent. The president noted that the time has come for institutions in the region to help the required financial muscle to support initiatives in Ghana and other African countries. The Japan Bank for International Cooperation has a share capital of some 19 billion United States dollars. China Exim has a capital of 54 billion United States dollars, whereas Afro Exim Bank has a capital of some 6 billion United States dollars, which excludes the most recent contribution by countries supporting the ongoing general capital increase. More importantly, we need to evaluate whether this 6 billion capital is sufficient to play that catalytic role of accelerating the creation of the market with a potential combined GDP of some 3.4 trillion United States dollars for our continent. President Kufford, let's still stay on the program because the African Export-Import Bank will be launching its operation in Barbados to serve the banking needs of African traders in the Caribbean. Chairman of AFREXM, that is Professor Bennett Rama, was speaking at the official opening of the bank's annual general meeting in Accra today. 11 CARICOM states have so far joined the membership of the bank through signature of the partnership Treaty. And in a few weeks, we will formally launch the operations of the bank's Caribbean office in Barbados. And we are working together with the CARICOM to create a Caribbean Exim Bank, which will be a subsidiary of African Export-Import Bank. We are connecting African businesses with opportunities in the Caribbean and Caribbean businesses with opportunities in Africa. And that is chairman and president of the Afriexim Bank, Professor Bennett Rama, is still on that sector or that program. The Ghana Railway Authority has signed a $1 million facility with the Afriexim Bank. The project will bring on some assets of more than $3 billion. Now, once the project is completed, it will serve as a blueprint for other countries that the Afriexim Bank would actually be supporting. Let's move to other developments and players in the e-commerce space have expressed worry about the inefficiencies associated with the Ghana Post, that is the GPS address system, arguing it has increased their cost of doing business. Now speaking to Joy Business, the 2023 Africa Trade and E-Commerce Logistics Conference found out the Africa e-commerce provider association that is Andrew Pebby noted that the conference will afford industry players the platform to compete in the global space. What e-commerce is is doing is that instead of uh, investing in brick and mortar shops and offices, you can just uh, on a platform, e-commerce platform or a procurement platform, and through that platform, you'll be able to reach somebody, say, in Kenya, somebody in South Africa, and Nigeria. So it means that you don't need the physical presence to sell your product in all these countries. But through the help of e-commerce, you can sell those products in those countries. So basically, that is the challenge that uh, e-commerce is solving in Africa. Founder of Africa E-Commerce Logistics Providers Association, Andrew Pebby. 
Now, Pinard Richard, uh, Ghana, subsidiary of Pinard Richard Group, a leading producer of wines and spirits, supported the construction of a mechanized water facility in Jekpatara community in the eastern region. Project is in partnership with the Tondevela Water Solutions Unis, assigned to the sustainability and responsibility manager at the company. Today is Responsible Day 2023 and Responsible Day is a special day in the life of Penorica. It's a day where globally all employees stop working and we all dedicate our time and energy to a sustainable activity. And so the theme for this year is the well-being of our people and our community. In line with this theme, we decided to come and provide water to the small community of Jakpatra because having water is a basic necessity when it comes to the well-being of any human being. Eunice asserted to is the sustainability responsibility manager at Penarica Ghana Limited. Let's turn our attention to the stock market. And if you were a shareholder in Guinness Ghana, today it was the biggest gainer on the market. It went up by 19 pesos to close at two Ghana cities, 12 pesos. MTN is now worth one Ghana city that is 24 pesos after going up significantly. And also if you're a shareholder in Fandok, it was up by a peso to close at one Ghana city, 32 pesos. And that's all for business on Newsnight. Back to you. And George, uh, thank you very much. You've been following the series, the documentary series, yeah. The Nation That Begs. You've been following that. Interesting. I mean, this morning I had you on the morning show mm-hmm. talking about the part two, which in essence traces our path from hero to zero. Mm. A few years back, we celebrated the world yeah, over yeah, for, being, yeah. for being the economy where they Every take- conference event you go, you're talking about Ghana, you know, the star of Africa. But being at recent conference, you know, the story about Ghana has been very interesting. And then being at the IMF, being in other programs, they'll ask you that, so what happened, Evans? And Evans, you believe also that the, the goodwill that even in these times, you're so much enjoying that. Listen, I don't think that we can get it wrong again. Mm. Well, this is an excerpt from the documentary A Nation That Begs Part 2, full airing tonight on the Journalist Channel at three at 8 30 p.m. Listen, uh, compiled by my colleague Kofi Ajay. Yeah. I've seen Article 4, I've seen the COVID report, Article 4, 2019, and the COVID report, and seen the fiscal gap which is there. That was when I expressed the view that maybe it's time for us to go. That's how far back to go to the fund because it's not just about COVID. But we got all the COVID money, as I said already, and we could have used it to make a correction. Something fundamentally wrong. Government's position was very simple. No IMF program. It has so much hope in using domestic means to turn the nation's economic fortunes around. We are not going to the IMF. Whatever we do, we are not. The consequences are there. We are a proud nation. We have the resources. We have the capacity. Don't let anybody tell you. In the raging storm, Finance Minister Ken Oforiata was insistent that government won't subscribe to an IMF program. If because of political pride and the rest of them we don't want to go, that is a different tune altogether. 
it should not be our first resort. But we have not demonstrated that on our own we'll be able to impose a fiscal consolidation that would elicit the appropriate response from duty bearers, as perhaps we have seen in, in, in our relationship with the fund. My position has always been, once the government on our behalf, whether I like it or not, says we are not going to die, then my position changes. Then show as alternative. The government's attitude tends to be that, oh, we don't need IMF because IMF is bad, in a way. They don't say it directly, but it implies that it's bad. Now, when you ask them about their financial track record and their performance, the government likes to say, they want to COVID hit, we're doing brilliant. And I'm saying that if that track record is one you are so proud of, you did that under an IMF program. Well, part two of A Nation That Begs as this evening on the Joy News channel at 8.30 p.m. You really don't want to miss it. You will learn a lot. I learned a lot just listening to it. It was just, what, like two years ago when the conversation started about going to the IMF and going to the IMF, and now we are the IMF. From hero to zero. zero. Catch it live at 8.30. Let's do sports now. Ms. Bao has the very latest. Hello. Hello, MFO. Well, the Black Stars indeed. Uh, disappointed you, I guess. <laughs> You know, disappointed you, I, I guess. Too much, so. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> but let's talk about uh, Coach Idrisu Napari. He's the head coach for Tiyumba Ladies, and um, he was uh, accused of assaulting a female referee in the women's Division Two game. He was on. Uh, he had gone into hiding, and the police were indeed looked searching for him because the female referee did sustain some very serious injuries, which resulted in her being hospitalized at the Tamale Teaching Technical University Medical Hospital. Well, the police have released a statement where uh, suggesting that uh, he has finally been arrested and uh, due to face prosecution. My colleague Karim, uh, Karim has the full statement from the police. The police have arrested suspect Idris Sunapari, a football coach, for attacking a referee during a Division 1B football match on a pitch near the Aliu Mahama Sports Stadium in Tamale on 17 June 2023. The injured referee was rushed to the hospital for medical assistance following the attack. The suspect, who is currently in police custody, will be put before the court to face justice. Meanwhile, as police investigations into the attack continues, the Inspector General of Police, Dr. George Ekufudampari, has engaged the chairman of the Ghana Football Association, Mr. Ket Okreku, and the Director General of the National Sports Authority, Professor Peter Chumasi, on the matter and urged them to notify the police ahead of all football matches in the lower leagues, as is being done for the Premier League in order for the police to put in place adequate security measures to ensure law and order during these matches. Karim there with uh, that report. So, uh, it's a very, very mm-hmm. bad situation. Female referee, you know, assaulted simply because she took a free kick, which the, uh, you know, the coach deemed not to be a free kick and he insisted that, and actually asked all of his players, they were, you know, female football players, to leave the pitch and discontinue the game unless the referee rescinds the decision. And she says no. And she just went and assaulted the referee. And if you look at the pictures, very, very terrible. And the police have now finally arrested him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a big conversation about football hooliganism in Ghana. And we are trying to knit it in the bud. And I think this is the best way to go. And interestingly, he is the chairman of the Northern Regional, uh, 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 you know, committee responsible for f- women's football. Oh. 
So on and release, would that, definitely apply. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. He was on the run for a while, right? He went to his house. Yeah. He went, he went to find him, and now thankfully they found him. Yeah, finally he's been But found. the lady has now been discharged. Yes, 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 yes she's been discharged, and uh, hopefully she will recover pretty shortly. So that's a foot sports brought to you by Pepsodent Herbal and Chaco Pepsodent Every Smile. Matters. Keep a smile on Musbao. Now, let's talk about some other stories. And popular Ghanaian actress Yvonne Nelson has stirred controversy after revealing some very intimate details about her private life, including a revelation that a popular Ghanaian musician impregnated her and left her to her fate, forcing her to terminate the pregnancy. Well, this revelation is causing some considerable talk on social media, like we said earlier. We'll hear more uh, about that shortly. But first, though, why did Yvonne have to write a book? She's been telling us. According to the Chief Tenancy Minister, about 70%. I want people to get a copy of the book. They would understand why this book is so important to me and why I had to write this book. Now, talking to some of your colleagues, I asked them if they were privy to some of these stories you shared in the book, and they said yes. Usually, we want to keep secrets with our friends, but you have kept these secrets for all these years, and now you have put it in a book and you're putting it out there. Why? Just grab a copy, you'd know why. This is one of those special moments in my life and I appreciate you joining me to celebrate the launch of my autobiography. My journey so far has not been a bed of roses, so I'd like to thank God for bringing me this far. Great things he has done and greater things he will do. A very big thank you to Vital Milk, Brussels Airlines, So that's why she had to write the book. But Joy Entertainment's Dorina View was at the book launch. Uh, she will let us in on everything we missed. So first, Doreen, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us about some of the most controversial aspects of this new book that came up yesterday. Thank you, MFR, for um, these questions. Yesterday, it actually happened at Pediasi Lodge. And honestly, with regards to some of the controversial, but I think your first point, which you mentioned about the Ghanaian artist who obviously um, didn't take the pregnancy and she had to abort it at some point in time. But the other aspect was um, her trying to find who her father uh, was. And it took years. And it took years. It looks like uh, her father had to even pass on before she actually realized who her father was, which I believe she says, if you read the book, you would definitely know who her father was before his passing. And then uh, I think the other aspect is another popular Nigerian artist that we all knew about her relationship with him. Um, yes, when the breakup happened, we all didn't know what happened, but eventually she also put that in the book, letting us know some of uh, the things that came up for the breakup. So I think these are some of the key things that uh, you can find in the book so far. I have personally not read the book yet, but um, some of the readings that we all heard yesterday, you could tell that and the stories in there were quite deep, quite deep. And it would take only someone who is so strong and ready to let to put her story out there for the world to know more about it. Then we needed to talk 
He still lived with his mother, and this was not a kind of news to break in his house. I called him out of the house when I got to Tema. We sat in my Toyota RAV4. He drove a Toyota Matrix at that time, if my memory serves me right. I sensed the intensity of his emotions when I broke the news to him. I could hear his heart pounding. And when he finally found his voice, he faltered. His message was, however, unambiguous. He didn't want the pregnancy. That would damage him and his career. The only option was to get rid of it. Whether or not his career and the uncertainty of my life were real reasons he could not afford to keep the pregnancy, I cannot tell. Well, Doreen, um, you got to speak to some of her industry colleagues. First, her friend, Prince David Osei, and it looks like they were not surprised about some of the things in the book. Well, um, they were not surprised, actually. Some of them said they were privy to some of, uh, you know, the issues before, like, she put them in the book. I mean, the likes of Prince David Osei and uh, John DiMello. Some of them knew because they are very close, um, very close to Yvonne Nelson. You see them on set together and they like to, you know, hang around each other a lot. So for them, yes. Um, Shelly Frimpong Manso, who is a producer and a director, um, from her talks, uh, she thinks that it takes a lot of guts and she thinks Yvonne Nelson has it. And to be able to put her story out there, I mean, of course, it's quite surprising to some of them. But I mean, she's done it. And she also believes that um, a lot of people can equally do it. Even her, she's likely to do something like that, which, of course, I, I have that exclusive interview. She said it could be, it could start from a book and then later to a movie. And we also got this insight into her political ambitions. In fact, she apparently had been approached by the MPP to run yep. in a Yawaso West Wagon against John Dumelo. Mm-hmm. Well, um, initially, Manasseh actually tweeted it. And um, so when I caught up with John Dumelo, I sought to find out or to confirm it. And John actually confirmed that she he received that call from um, his friend, Yvonne Nelson, at the time. And uh, Yvonne said she was not going to contest. So She told me about, I mean, she told me about this thing long ago that, you know, somebody approached her to contest, uh, you know, against me. And, and what I, what... I realized was I respected her for that. I respected her for number one telling me. I respected her for not taking that decision because clearly, if if you've been told to contest, I mean, of course, um, whoever is telling you or the group of people telling you are ready to support you with whatever it is you need. And so I think she put our friendship there that look you know what john is my friend i cannot do this against john i cannot contest against john and that is what real friends do and i've really respected her for that well so that's uh, john dumelo i am speaking to doreen of you after the book launch and there's a lot of talk on social media about this there's been some responses coming in nigerian musician Inyanya, uh, who is mentioned in the book and then also in the book yvonne nelson details how uh, she found out her then boyfriend uh, cheated on him uh, and on her and you know Inyanya has also been tweeting and tonto dk's name has come up amongst others but this is something that really really is generating a lot of talk on social social media but um make of it what you will when are you writing your book I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when are you writing your book a book 
when are you writing your book? My book. Yes. We'll write it together. We'll no, like, of course, I've not been there. I'm, but I'm not decades. there yet. I haven't accomplished much to write a book. Once I get there, I'll write a book. It will definitely not be about people. Be really? Least. Oh, come on. You have to tell the full story. <laughs> I, I, I need a chapter on myself. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. You have it. Maybe two yeah. two chapters in yeah. there, yeah. at least. Yeah. <laughs> well, you want to stay because right after us, you would hear Nanan Sakal with That's My Opinion, Thoughts of a Confused Father. My name is Evans Mentor. I am MFR Paul.